welcome to the XR Magazine podcast. Dive deep with us into the mesmerizing world of immersive tech, where we bring you conversations with the trailblazers of XR, AI, and spatial computing. If you're curious about what's on the horizon and eager to be inspired, you're in the right place. Tune in and let's explore the digital frontier together. Today, we're speaking with Elizabeth Baron, who is an innovator in the field of digital twins and their applications with immersive technologies. She architects solutions that provide comprehensive relationships for a multitude of functional data sets using digital intelligence to connect people with product and process at a scale. She is best known for her work as the inventor of the Ford Immersive Vehicle Environment at Ford Motor Company, where she developed XR experiences for vehicle design and engineering based on a holistic digital twin. This sounds super, super interesting. I can't wait to begin. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being here today. How is everything going in Michigan? Thing is great. It's sunny, it's summer, so all is well. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Please let us you know, Elizabeth, a little bit about your story, your background. We're very excited to hear about all your journey into this amazing industry with immersive technologies. Yeah, thank you. Um, I appreciate you uh, giving me that opportunity. So um, I have a very long history with um, XR back when it was uh, VR. <laughs> and I uh, started working, my first VR application was in 1999. And we had to create a um, a vehicle property. I worked at Ford Motor Company and uh, we got immersed inside of a virtual vehicle, but the vehicle, we had some like physical virtual um, interaction and we were using magnetic motion tracking. So we had to create a uh, car out of wood. So it was made out of oak and mahogany and it was scalable to different vehicles. And we did ergonomic studies. So we created a digital human and um, that was scalable and we would represent like me as a six foot four male and as a four foot 11 female and do like ergonomics and reach studies. So my history goes way back. And so those during those days, we could have 60,000 polys in an entire scene, like with the world and everything, representing the car, the avatar, everything. So very limited, um, but um, we got some good data. It was functional and, um, you know, Ford wanted me to keep going. So like I started out early in my career as a, a programmer writing CAD software, started working in VR, just was smitten with the capabilities um, and just kept churning away at what the tech could do. So um, as the capabilities improved, like the the delivery that what we provided to Ford improved, um, I started out all by myself. Um, then I had like half of a person part time. Then I got another person. Then it turned into a global um, enterprise with uh, people in different locations around the world. 
And what ended up happening was we just put more and more capability into the um, analysis, more and more data, uh, more and more um, uh, visual quality. So we ended up with real-time ray tracing in 4K. Um, we first tested it and it worked in December of 2013 and deployed it in 2014. So Ford has been doing real-time ray tracing in immersive environments for nine years now <laughs> in production. That's amazing. And um, then we just kept going, like, what can we do with engineering data? So we put a lot of engineering process in so we could do like tolerance, stack ups and like understanding crafted quality of the vehicle. Um, we put manufacturing process on the design before you, the manufacturing process was built. So I ended up being a, a very holistic solution based on what I would say is a partial digital twin, but a very capable partial digital twin. And um, then the, the amount of um, studies that we could do in XR grew. We incorporated HoloLens and Magic Leap and a bunch of mixed reality devices. So I had quite a nice, um, complete solution for the, the time. And um, of course, it's continuing to evolve. Um, I left Ford, went to work at Unity. I did um, lots of cool things with Digital Twin and a lot of work with um, the immersive side of things and kind of providing that holistic content to a host of um, different companies. And that was fun. And then I decided it was time to uh, go out on my own. So I'm uh, I'm consulting and working with all kinds of different companies and training simulation, digital twin space. But the immersive platform is um, where I focus because I believe that it provides a special, unique uh, perspective and capability to understand that's not found in a, any other mode of evaluation. So that's a little bit of my history. And I'm just super happy to talk about this anytime. <laughs> that's super exciting. This is Sasha journey. You've been in the industry from a very long time ago, which means uh, there is a depth of experience right there that uh, that's what companies need. Basically, um, there are a lot of, you know, breakthroughs that we're coming at every day with the industry, with the advances of technology. And uh, I believe that when it comes to the business side of things, to companies trying to navigate this, there is a, definitely the, the, the number one, I think, recommendation that experts seem to agree with is to search or look for expertise that have been in that field for so many years that can navigate mm -hmm. or have seen changes, switches, and how right. the integration of technologies throughout history, these big companies have been doing it. So your experience at Ford is fascinating because for some reason, for the ones that are outside the industry, somehow we feel as if for had been in the recent, just recent years, started to use these technologies. But actually, the truth is that it's been a long time ago and that it needs a right. lot of refinement. It needs a lot of research because with something that might right. go wrong, maybe something might happen in the design process down the road with the 
customer, right? With safety and all of those things. That's why this type of studies might take, I guess, sometimes years and we just see it later on. But what are, my question mm -hmm. would be a little bit more forward thinking on to what are the most recent exciting breakthroughs in technology that you've seen that um, are, you know, that you're excited about to applying uh, with companies coming up maybe? Yeah. So, um, you know, that's, I love that question and I'll maybe look back before I go forward um, because I think I want to make the point that there are a lot of really stable, great technologies that aren't even implemented yet. <laughs> so before we look forward and we have like the fear of missing out, um, I think it's good to think about where the tech is, where it is very useful and can be deployed within um, like at scale in an organization now that we're not doing, because I think there's a lot of immersive, immersive technology that we're not taking advantage of fully for a very various reasons. Um, but looking forward, um, I know that the most exciting thing that people are talking about is is AI and the capabilities uh, that we have to learn. And I, um, to me, that is the most exciting thing. And I left Ford in December of 2018. And that was what I thought the most exciting thing was back then. And the way I think it can be practically applied is that every time somebody is investigating or um, interrogating uh, digital data in whatever way, through immersive, through a flat screen review, in an analytical environment, in a design environment, um, what they're looking at and the image and the issues that they are working on can be learned from. And I think that is the most exciting thing because there are incredible efficiencies waiting that have, um, I think, everything to do with um, a better experience for the customer, for the end product, everything to do with quality and repeatability um, and very little um, um, what's the right word, very little um, worry of um, like privacy violations or like some of the things that people worry about with AI um, because that implementation is all about the product and making it better. And it's everybody's goal to do that. And there really shouldn't be um, much concern um, once if it's properly implemented. So I think that's a, a really, really exciting area because we can all um, it's we're we can always learn, we can grow, and we can learn from somebody else's perspective by looking at data in a context that makes sense. Like to me, if I'm an engineer, looking at a, a design issue that somebody else is flagging in the context of my engineering data is really insightful and a perspective I might not have had before that can be imparted to me and give me more wisdom to make the right decision. Yeah, I agree. I think that because I also come from an engineering background, I'm an engineer as well. I, I envision how 
especially data, right? Being able to process data and understand it better can inform better design processes and uh, a large, you know, innovations. So mm-hmm. I think that's one of the very powerful capabilities. I, for example, in engineering, I struggle. I, I tend to say this story sometimes when presented, I remember when I was working as an engineer, presented with um, draftings and trying to understand and imagine myself as well when I was talk about um, elevations, when I was talk about, you know, specific measurements or specific angles or, you know, things that present uh, specific design, designs present. It's difficult for the engineers to imagine how things are going to look like. And we often make decisions based on the imagination on, on the presumption of how that might look like, because we're not very sure. So I think that actually the, the, the point where XR is going to join with AI, how AI is going to supercharge the capabilities of XR, that is very exciting for engineers because that can help us a lot to understand better how a product should definitely look like when done, but it's not even built yet. So that's pretty exciting, like to understand how the product is going to behave or, you know, how customers are going to react to that based all on data. I think that that is an interesting field. There are all as well, I always uh, comment about the, 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 the certain things that we need to be cautious about, as you said, the word, if it's well implemented, that's the other story. Mm-hmm. But yes. uh, for the most part, we're <laughs> excited about those type of things. That's where experts like Elizabeth come to place. Yeah, <laughs> because exactly. of all, of those years, exactly. all of those years yeah, of experience. That's something that we cannot just try to experiment uh, when it's dealing right. when it's dealing just with customers, there is the need of someone who is expert uh, and have done this right, type right. of it, of integrations. Yeah, yeah, it needs to be um, carefully deployed. Mm-hmm. And the thing that you don't want to do is give um, um, incorrect or incomplete data to somebody. So that like the the if properly implemented part means that um, if somebody's just uh, doing a prototype and they they don't know what the right answer is, but if somebody receives information that they because somebody else was studying something, that doesn't mean what they're studying provided good data for them to move forward. It it could be just um, a prototype or a what if study a one-off that actually didn't um, result in like good data to move forward, but that's still part of the learning process, but you don't want to impart that information because it's not um, useful. So that's where if properly deployed comes in. But yeah, but it does hold a lot of promise. And I just, can I mention one more thing? I think um, there's a lot going on um, in real-time ray tracing, path tracing, like very high visual quality in immersive environments. But there's also a lot of um, new innovation going on, um, like for edge computing and then um, cloud capabilities. Like there's the APO net that is 100G 
between LA, Sydney, Tokyo, you know, all these different places. But the the ability to um, collaborate and uh, provide very high visual quality and immersive environments through the cloud and through edge computing, I think is also another area that um, is ripe for innovation and uh, companies can focus on and and really pr- get good value because those um, big multinationals um, are global and they are in a lot of cases actually collaborating on parts of like major parts of a product in different locations around the world. Yeah, yeah, that's that's great. I think, yeah, for us it's um like exciting to see as well how in a in a matter of pretty much no time we've been advancing more and more with the capabilities of ray tracing and and getting to experience things that look very realistic. It's been advancing super fast. And there are so many in that sense, there are so many capabilities there that we can explore especially for applications related with engineering. Um, Architecture Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite ones because I really like, I love spaces. And uh, Mm -hmm. I've been even navigating through different styles or tastes of people where some people tend to prefer spaces that don't look realistic, but I'm the one that prefers to still emulate things from the real world because that's that's how my that's how my preference is. I think that when it comes to products, let's say example of the vehicle at Ford, <laughs> when it comes to product, customers might prefer to access the vehicle in as a similar fashion as it would be when it's finished in the real world. So they really understand how it might look like when it's done, when it's finished, right? So, yeah, I think that that's um, that's a, a great um, a great opportunity there using yeah. these um, capabilities of ray tracing and all of these uh, new and, and better and better improvements that are happening. I, I particularly speak about Unreal Engine, for example, and um, Unity even using this type of tools for that. Um, and speaking about tools, I wonder... What uh, when when you're performing your work that is related with ray tracing, even even do doing work with digital twins, etc. What are the most preferred tools that you use for those purposes? How do you use them? What is your your you know your thought process behind approaching tools, etc.? What do you have to say about it? So uh, my general um, strategy is the best tool for the job. And um, I, I don't like to get uh, caught up on like we have to go with this certain platform, like a um, Unity versus Unreal kind of thing. Um, they both have strengths. Um, they both have weaknesses. Um, so I, I think having a strategy where there are lots of choices with rendering. So like you can render in CAD. Like, you know, so systems, Katia has uh, rendering capability and so does NX. And, you know, so, uh, you know, does Autodesk uh, VRAD and like there are lots of choices for, um, you know, iRay, whatever, like lots of choices for rendering tech, um, lots of choices for devices, right? 
you know, there's um, many headsets. Some of them are very low cost. Some of them are untethered, tethered, um, but they all have a strength and they all have a weakness. Um, at Ford, we also use something called the cave, which is a room that you go into with um, projection from the rear, but the uh, projectors are stereo. So the data kind of comes into the room. And that had a, a whole bunch of um, strength to it because you you didn't have to wear, like you had to wear um, very simple glasses, like polarizing glasses or shutter glasses, but they're very light and airy compared to a headset. And you can kind of collaborate with other people. Um, so there are lots of choices. Um, so my the best tool for the job also potentially means um, providing capability uh, that might look, I, I say it has an inner beauty. <laughs> I used to say that all the time. So like at, at Ford, we would use a very high uh, fidelity headset and put a, a physical vehicle around you. And the physical vehicle would be like a a chopped up version of an older car, or we had this programmable vehicle that could kind of stale. And then we'd put like styrofoam parts on it that represented the shapes of the door and the center stack and all that stuff. So if you looked at it, it looked really awful. But when you get inside, it's a thing of beauty. It looks like a very refined Mustang or a super cool, you know, tough truck. Or uh, so it had uh, a lot of capability. And um, providing those touch points, I think, is really important. So in general, best tool for the job, use um, as much uh, software and hardware as is needed to do um, a quality job. Think about deploying at scale. Think about reliability. Don't go necessarily for the shiny object, like the new thing that's out there. Go for the thing that can be deployed, is stable, is comfortable, allows you to get immersed in a very short period of time um, with little or no uh, like training once you enter the environment. Like don't give somebody a game controller from um, you know, a design organization and say, you know, press this button to do this, press this one to do that, go back. Like, you know, you don't want to provide them with a lot of uh, things that they need to learn to get connected to the environment. They should come in. It should be immediately apparent what they're looking at. They should feel connected. And then they should just be able to do the job and work. And if if not, I, I think that's a lot more important than deploying like the latest and greatest, you know, new headset that's out there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I am super excited that you mentioned that because... It's, uh, it's interesting. It's not only for even people that is in tech or that is like even a little bit more familiar with this environment, but for any consumer out there that has never had any contact with any of these technologies, I think the best thing that we're always looking for is how can we make this as friendly as possible? When yeah. we got actually this device, this... um. This uh, Pro, the Quest Pro, I was yeah. a little, little hesitant when I discovered that it still had controllers mm -hmm. because 
I imagine that they were going to provide something that is more like gesture based or something, yeah. even gestures, even ge learning gestures is a little bit of work, right? Because you need to understand how do I do have to do this? What does it mean? But I think that the technology will be very exciting as it starts to evolve in the, in the direction of how can we make things using artificial intelligence as well, that our natural natural uh, ways of communicating, moving, et cetera, expressing are part of the experience in terms of the traditional commands where we don't have to use this anymore. Like right. learning right. this for someone that is not a gamer is a learning curve, right? It's, right. It's, it's not so natural because when we're speaking as humans or interacting with objects as human, humans, we're not used to have controllers in our hands. So right. I'm, uh, I'm excited about that. I think that is nice that hopefully the, the technology is even more what we see. Oh, oh, actually we saw it with the Vision Pro that um, not use of controllers anymore. We're working on, um, on a proposal of interface less. So the less interfaces we use for yep. um, navigating through these experiences, the better. And yeah, we're so excited about that work as well. And uh, yeah, we feel that all the inputs that you're giving us are super, super amazing right now. <laughs> so I'd like to ask you just uh, one of the last questions is, um, I ask you about the, the exciting things that you see in the, you know, in the industry now with all of these things happening and because you've seen different shifts in the industry and different integrations and how big companies make those shifts, navigate these, what are the most maybe in your own personal view? Because we, we know, of course, we cannot know the future, but yeah. what are the things in your experience that you might see? I feel you know, the, the, the industries are going in general towards this big shift and how that would change the work of engineers and designers. What, what do you feel in that sense? What, what do you see changing or going towards uh, just, yeah. just a general thought? Yeah. So I think, um, if I was going to be very general, I would say the, um, more of a data rich environment, um, based on a holistic digital twin. Um, because the immersive platform is um, is actually incredibly um, useful for a holistic digital twin. So when you can get in inside of an environment and change time of day, um, like tell me, I, I would like it um, like high noon on the first day of summer in. Valencia, Spain, or something, and and you can be in that environment, and then look at something in fall and some other environment, and understand the difference in the way a light light hits a product for like a review, or um, like do that, and then say, oh, now I want to see airflow, and I want to see if I change surfaces, how does that change airflow and fluid dynamics and like all of the different things that can be done in a very short period of time to judge um, a product's viability. I think that um, that is, well, I know it is based on a holistic digital twin and that's where the industry is going. It's like a, um, a platform and then on, built on that solid platform of um, a large and complex set of data 
is the capability to evaluate it. And that's where XR comes in because those evaluations can uh, take advantage of multiple data sets, put them in context, and then there is truth in that data. And then there is insight in the context by which it's evaluated. And I think that type of platform is where the industry is going. And it is partially there. Um, there's a lot of uh, good tools out there that give a partial digital twin, but like engineering analysis, um, like engineering data, like CAD data, and then design data. Those three big buckets are coming together. And I think that's the most foundational, really cool, very practical, maybe not so you know sexy, but very practical and extremely useful um, like new foundation that's coming that all of these other cool tools like Vision Pro and new headsets and new projection technologies and all of those good things will will come based on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a, an interesting insight because sometimes we just see, you know, some some like the outside of, yes. of the things, but there are, you know, deeper or and and base layer foundations. Yes. Thank you so much. So you uh, are the founder of Inmersionary.net, right? What yes. are the main like the main things particularly that you do there and of course we're gonna invite any anyone who is interested or needs some consultation etc to to check immersionary.net but please let us know what is exactly what uh, you're doing in immersionary.net yeah so i'm uh consulting and working with industry for um the foundational digital twin and so basically what i have just talked about and then um, how to take advantage of that digital twin um, and how to create the relationships. And I think that's something we didn't talk about, but I'm very much um, uh, an advocate of how business process is applied to technology and, and vice versa. So there's a suite of technologies, but there's a way people work. And so immersionary is really like, born out of how do you um, uh, understand and honor the way a, a company works and then smartly insert technology to solve business problems and then potentially um, modify process if there are efficiencies to be gained. But don't start out thinking, you know, we need to change your process because there's these new tools and you can do things faster and sooner. It's, it's, that's not um, a solid approach because people have way of working. There's a history behind it. There's a lot of reason behind it. That's not readily apparent to an outsider, but understanding what those working relationships are and understanding how different groups relate, what is their, product development process that they do globally and then inserting technology in smartly is, you know, where um, I'm focusing and working with different clients. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I imagine. And, and I think that there is a great insight in what you said, especially when we start to see all of these technologies and uh, for some companies, it might be also tempting, right? Because of mm -hmm. maybe we have the expectation that customers might be looking for that. 
But there are problems sometimes that are in the foundation of companies in the systems, operational, um, you know, uh, yeah, procedures, etc. that they have that are not even fixed in the base to put another layer of technology on top. So sometimes the problems are actually in the, in the regular foundations of the day-to-day of the business that the technology that, you know, they can bring might not even solve. So those, that's where I guess Elizabeth has a lot of expertise as well to try to help them navigate that, correct? Yes, I, um, I'd say yes. And sometimes the process is um, by itself really great. And it is um, like companies think really deeply and they have done decades of work in a lot of cases mm-hmm honing their business processes. Mm-hmm. And um, the the idea is to look at technology and use, um, use it to uh, bring those processes to light in a, um, in a way that maybe provides insight sooner, maybe provides insight to other people that wouldn't normally be a part of that type of evaluation at that point in the process and then provide the connection sooner so that maybe um, in another, uh, the next time the business process is evaluated, you can kind of like pull out some time, provide some efficiencies. So it's it's very much um, a, you know, you're playing the long game with the the technology and that's why I go back to that statement where you don't necessarily want to implement the shiny object. You want to implement the the technology that has a lot of um, benefit and is stable and deployable at scale. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exciting. Yeah, all the work that you're doing is it might be super fun because you already have a lot of experience with this, and uh, you have your expertise working with the. Twins, etc., digital twins. So that's awesome. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for your uh, amazing presentation today. I wonder is uh, is there anything that you wish I had asked you today? Ah, uh, no. I think that's that's uh, pretty complete, and I really appreciate you giving me the time to talk with you. Yes, yes. Thank you so much. We're gonna compliment even a little bit, if possible, the description of this podcast with a little bit of an insight on to what Elizabeth was speaking about business and the actual integration with the technology. That's so exciting. And for anybody who has any questions or any doubts about the work that Immersionary.net is doing, you can definitely use that as the link to refer to it. And if you need any any type of reach out to Elizabeth, I believe there in the page, there might be some contact information or, or where, where else do you think they can contact you, Elizabeth? Yep. They can contact me at Elizabeth at Immersionary.net or uh, LinkedIn is the best way. Just I'm on LinkedIn and just send me a note and I'll definitely respond. Okay. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, again. And thank you for any of you who are uh, taking the time to listen and inform yourself and learn and grow through this amazing series in the podcast. Um, Elizabeth is an amazing entrepreneur, an amazing professional in the industry. So yeah, inviting anybody again to share or 
um, you know, to your friends or family this episode and subscribe, please, because that helps to uh, share more the message uh, widely. So thank you so much for your attention in this episode and see you in the next one. Bye for now. Bye.